0: Hello and welcome, everybody. SF Live episode 124. You might have seen it on Twitter. We're starting with a new format Discovery Thursday, where we're trying to highlight smaller companies that have not made a discovery. They're on their way to making a discovery. And uh, those are some interesting opportunities. In the case of Capella, it's a $10 million market cap company with some really interesting catalysts coming up and uh, a great management team that could probably deliver on those catalysts. And uh, quite excited to talk to Eric Roth in a couple seconds. But uh, before we do that, make sure to follow us on YouTube, follow us on Twitter. That way you don't miss any of the opportunities. We do all our interviews live. I I think the past 99% of the interviews were live. So make sure to follow us there. That way you have an edge in the market. You know what the CEOs are saying, before anybody else sees it. And uh, hit the bell icon, hit the alert button. That way it pops up in your browser when we go live. Now enough of my rambling. Let me switch over to Mr. Eric Roth. Eric, it's great to see you again. How how are you?
1: Yeah, thanks, uh, Kai. Great to be here. And uh, a big welcome to your listeners too. So uh, look forward to the chat here. Yeah,
0: fantastic. And Discovery Thursday. And uh, it's great to highlight your company. As Mm. I said, roughly 10 million market cap, seven cents, early, early days, although with a long history. Um, Run us through Give us a quick, you know, Cliff Notes 30, 60 second version of Capella, and then we'll dive into some more details.
1: Yeah, okay. Just in terms of the project portfolio. So uh, the portfolio at the moment is we have a mixture of high-grade gold and copper projects. We have five of them that we're running in tandem. Uh, Two are in Canada. They're the two gold projects with joint venture partners. We have a gold project in Sweden. And we picked up a couple of really exciting high-grade copper projects in Norway as well too. So the focus of the company, this is a great mix of um you know just really high grade gold systems and also high grade copper systems uh, so it's a great it's a mix of uh, commodities there for the for a company like us to go forward
0: okay Bef- before we continue i actually forgot to mention one thing this is an interactive format everybody so mm. make sure to use the hashtag function ask cmil mm. to ask your questions live on twitter and we've got a lot of questions already so take a look at the twitter feed uh, go find that hashtag also the youtube chat is open if you have any questions all right we continue in the program Eric, you you mentioned a couple of things. So you, you have quite a few projects and uh, in Canada, you have a couple of joint ventures and you did explore Mm -hmm. your own projects. How would you classify Capella? Are you a prospect generator? Are you an explorer? Where, how do you fit in?
1: Yeah, Kai. Look, I'd say we're basically in the explorer, discoverer category. Effectively, what we've done historically, and with this company, and what we what we've done previously with other companies, is our niche in the business really is the exploration stage, taking projects through to discovery resources, and then through PEA, sort of those early mining studies, those PEA PFS type studies, and that really is sort of at the niche, I guess, spectrum that we cover. Um, so I would say that the Canadian projects as joint ventures. Uh, that's just the way. I guess the, the the project's developed, but we do the exploration ourselves and, and it is our job to make those discoveries and push the projects forward to development.
0: Fantastic. Fill us in a bit on the history of the company before we go on with uh, you know some forward-looking statements to see what you guys are up to for this year. But uh, run us through the history because you've recently rebranded
1: and mm-hmm. uh, run us through that and how, how did it come about? Yeah, thanks, Kai. So basically, for those who are following the company, so we were previously known as New Dimension Resources. Uh, As you've mentioned, there was a name change in November last year to Capella Minerals. And that really happened because of a a really a a refocusing of the company's efforts. During 2020, we always had the two Canadian projects, so they were always in the portfolio. Uh, But what we did do last year, we made a, a structural change in the sense that we divested from a few Argentine assets that we held. We held a few gold and silver assets in, the, in Santa Cruz province in Argentina. We divested those uh, to third parties and in parallel, effectively, to fill that void, we've acquired a, a very nice portfolio of projects in Scandinavia. So, um, so effectively, that's sort of the recent history of the company. And, and we had some big changes in 2021. And I think we're in a really good position here to move things forward in 2021.
0: Exactly. And you, you put out a press release this morning about your Canadian joint ventures. Mm-hmm. You, you sort of outlined what the target or what the plan is for this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, r- run us through those and run us through your joint venture partners, obviously. So give us a rundown on the Canadian projects. We'll start there. Yeah, so we
1: have two, uh, can, uh, two uh, JV projects in Canada, Kai. So we have uh, one is called uh, Domain, which is a joint venture with uh, Yamana. And that is actually in uh, north, in basically in northern Manitoba. Um, now, that's a project that uh, so Yamana controls 70 percent of the project. We control a whisker of under 30 percent. It's a project that we do participate in. So we, it is a participating interest in the project. Um, from our perspective, it's probably the most advanced of our projects in the sense of uh, historically, we've done 10,000 meters of drilling on it. Um, we are in the process of doing the community consultations with a view to getting back to drilling again uh, later this year. So, so it is a project that I think will move very, for, uh, very it'll move forward very, very quickly. Um, and similarly with uh, we have a second joint venture which is in Northwestern Ontario. It's called uh, Savant Lake. Um, that's a project, interestingly, that we earned into 100% of last year. We found a joint venture partner for it, it through Ethos uh, Goldcorp. And, and some of your listeners might know Ethos through the discovery group of companies. So it's a very sharp uh, technical group and obviously a very good market presence. Um, but the joint venture there effectively is uh, they are earning into that project. So they will cover the uh, this initial, uh, I guess, uh, $2 million of expenditure to earn into the 70%. And in parallel, on the anniversaries, of, on, upon signing, and on the anniversaries of that signing, we get cash and share payments from them as well too. So, so from our perspective, that was a great way to take the project forward. Um, you know, with a very with a quality JV partner, and also uh, sort of accumulate some shares and a little bit of cash as well uh, through that deal. So.
0: Fantastic. We're going to talk about the capital structure in a second and your working -hmm. working capital. Uh, Let's stick on those projects for a second. So Yamana obviously owns 70%. They're in the driver's seat. Mm -hmm. Um, Savant Lake, you you are running the program and uh, are they just contributing or is Ethos running the program?
1: Yeah, no, in the case of Savon Lake, so Ethos is running the program, so they signed. we signed that joint venture in September, uh, and in fact, uh, in, in the interim, they've already been working a lot on the ground, as you would have seen as people who read the press release today, uh, you know, they've already been out there, they've done an airborne, a high-resolution airborne magnetic survey, they've done a lot of things on the ground, and, and the idea is that as soon as the snow melts, as soon as the early spring comes around, uh, they'll be back out on the ground and moving this project forward. And the thought here is also to be pushing towards drilling in that sort of Q3 sort a window and beyond. So uh, so this is a project that I'm really confident that they will be able to push forward very quickly. Uh, but it is uh, Ethos running the program and managing the program. And I think we're in really good hands here.
0: Okay, great. Um, ethos picked up some other projects in Newfoundland the other day. And so my question is more like their, their focus as well. They're also just just a junior, right? Mm-hmm. Um, capital is still constrained for many juniors. Like wh- what is their focus? Like what do you think in terms of budget? Uh, do you think they're going to get distracted? Or are they? Where, where do the priorities lie for them?
1: Yeah, so, so i know the main interest in savon lake was uh, the following it, it's a property it's a it's a district scale play so it's a very large property it's 229 square kilometers it covers some very prospective ground in terms of uh, we know there's gold on the property uh, and i don't want to get into too much geological detail but when you look at the deposit type uh, there are other deposits in the area with the similar geology so really what we're looking at here um, the attractiveness of savon lake it's a big property um, the target in terms of these iron formations they're looking for this like 60 kilometers cumulative strike of this so it's a very extensive area to test so so the attractiveness for them at uh, Savant Lake is the fact that it's a district scale play and that's the really thing that's the thing that uh, is the real exciting factor here and completely underexplored
0: yeah fantastic and uh, what's their budget for this year for Savant Lake have you have they published that yet is there an idea out there
1: Yeah, so their work commitment, rather than a budget per se. So the work commitment, according to the agreement, they need to spend uh, half a million dollars uh, in the ground. So that would be from September 2020 to September 2021. Uh, Look, they may well go beyond that. uh, But really, the the only restriction from our side is that uh, they do have that work commitment year one, and that escalates to a million dollars in year two. And of course, they have the option to accelerate that if they wish, so they can move the program forward uh, faster if they wish, should they choose to.
0: Fantastic. Anything else we missed on the Canadian projects?
1: Yeah, and I think that's it. I think the good, the good, the good thing from our side, uh, Kai, the projects are in really good hands, and 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 you know we do have an opportunity to be drilling both of those projects in the second half of the year. And uh, you know, look, I'm excited to see both being drilled because I really do think they're they're strong, high-grade gold prospects. So I, I really look forward to seeing those projects get drilled.
0: That's why you're on this program, Discovery Thursday. The Truth Machine will start exactly turning it. later this year, so that's why we're looking. That's why we're mm-hmm. having this conversation as well, because that's what gets us excited. That's what the share price gets. That's what the share price gets excited about. Right? Absolutely. Um, you got it. Well, let's talk about the other part that has quite a few investors excited. Based on the feedback we've been getting here on Twitter and based on all the questions, mm-hmm. is obviously Scandinavia. You picked up some projects in Norway and Sweden uh, through a partnership with EMX, and uh, l- l- let's dive into those. Run us through those projects, and then we'll dive into a little more detail there as well.
1: Yeah, so I guess uh, just as a bit of background, uh, Kai. So we've had a relationship with EMX uh, for for quite a few years. Um, now, effectively, uh, what we've done with this is we, I mean, EMX has actually quite a large portfolio of projects in Scandinavia. So we basically handpicked what we thought uh, were the ones that made the most sense, that had the most potential, um, and interestingly. If I look at, uh, so we have three. One is a gold project, which is in which we call the Southern Gold Line. That's actually in a very well mineralized belt. It's in the same belt as the Barcelli deposit, which is Agnico and Barcelli Minerals. So it's a belt we know there's multi-million ounce deposits, completely underexplored. We know there's gold boulders on surface. And effectively, the, the exploration strategy on that project is to, uh, to basically look for the source of these gold mineralized boulders, as a lot of explorers do in northern Sweden or Finland. You know that's sort of the bread and butter of exploration. the The two projects that really do excite me are the two copper projects in Norway. Um, you know, and interestingly, uh, the, interestingly, the first questions I usually get from investors are, "Isn't Norway an oil country?" Right? And it's like, well, yes. I mean, we're talk- that's talking about the North Sea, but. But geologically, people have forgotten that basically that belt of massive sulfide, these high-grade copper deposits, it is actually an extension of a belt in northeastern Canada, where we know there's a number of these mining camps, Bathurst, New Brunswick. Um, you know, so um, people have just forgotten the potential there in Norway for these, ma- these high-grade deposits. And, uh, and in this case, we've been very lucky to pick up two former mining districts, uh, which were in production literally for hundreds of years closed in the mid 80s because of low copper prices. Really nothing has been done on these projects, very little uh, in the last 40 years. And we've got an exceptional opportunity to you know, look around those old mines and along some of that perspective stratigraphy. So I'm really excited about those, uh, the, the copper projects. I think they're fantastic for a company Perfect. like us.
0: What is guiding you right now with these projects? Like what kind of historical data do
1: you have available and, and how are you doing the targeting now? Yeah. So specifically, with regard to the Scandinavian projects, uh, so if I look at the two copper projects, what we're effectively doing. So we only acquired these in August. So I guess we we've covered a lot of ground in a fairly short period of time. And of course, now it's in the winter. So, um, but the the main thrust has really been. Uh, interpreting the geophysics and, and, and sholy is a very, so the two projects, uh, Locken and sholy and sholy is actually a great example in the sense of, uh, you know, the government funded airborne geophysics over this precisely with the reasoning or the goal of incentivizing exploration in the area. So, you know, so we've had access to very good data sets, um, you know, done specifically to to really invigorate exploration in these areas. So so the government's helped with some of those data sets. Uh, in the case of the old mines, there's obviously some of the old mine data um, and things like that. But, uh, you know, we've actually been fortunate to have a very good base to work off. Now what we really need to do is fine tune that and zero in on the highest uh, priority target. So that's really our goal uh, in the short term. Run us through
0: that method of zoning in. Like, how are you doing that? Like, without getting too technical, but like, what kind of tools are you using, and uh, what kind of results can we expect, and how how do we follow along as investors on your targeting approach?
1: Yeah, so it's a good question, and uh, without getting too complicated, so if again, if I look at Shalee as an example, we we did put out a press release about ten days ago or so, um, so people can also go back and have a look at a bit of that methodology in detail. But fundamentally, we know that we have these you know, prospective horizons that can be 10, 15 kilometers in length. In the case of Schole, we selected 4.5 kilometers of that. And the reason for picking that, and I should also point out, too, there were two old mines on this uh, on this uh, property, which are actually kilometers away. So, so you know, we've just picked a segment in the middle where, uh, you know, it, it, it's absolutely amazing. You can actually walk on the surface over high-grade copper mineralization on surface. I mean, it's, it's right under your feet. And, and, and where in 2021 can you actually do that? You know, walk over high-grade mineralization on surface. that's never been drilled. It's it, it's just extraordinary. So that was really the guide. So first of all, it was an eyeball thing. I mean, obviously, if you've got high-grade copper on surface, this looks like a really good place to start. Um, but then, of course, obviously, we've used all these other components, the geophysics, uh, you know, just geology, geochemistry. And, and, and the whole idea is just to, to distill that information, just zero down, and basically get into those areas of higher probability. Uh, I will also also add that we are also doing a data mining, which is sort of a uh, more of a computer driven process at Shauli. So on the one side it's the boots on the ground, uh, you know, us the geologists looking at the data, but in parallel we also have this uh, data mining system running, where the idea basically is it'll run all sorts of permutations, and it could well and should well. You know, pick up things that we might have missed uh, you know I guess us as geologists as human beings I guess so so it's a nice thing to have running in parallel you know it's our eyes and boots on the ground combined with all these work programs but we have this data mining going on in parallel too which will complement that process and really help us to focus in on the areas that we need to be drilling on
0: yeah how come nobody's touched that property for 40 years like how come you have untouched copper mineralization at surface like, how is that possible? Uh, I don't know. You, you, you tell
1: me. It's, I, I don't understand it either. I mean, EMX staked this property. It was free. I mean, nobody was out here. This was in 2019. It was open ground. They staked it. I mean, where in the world w- would that happen? I mean, there's always an owner to these properties, right? It was open ground. I mean, it's incredible. It's just, it's beyond me, to be honest. It's incredible. That's crazy.
0: Um, so, since you talked us through the targeting process, run us through some of the timelines as well, and of course, again, with the end result of putting a drill in there and in, into the ground. Uh, how far Correct. away are we from that?
1: Yeah, so so Kai, I guess with the two uh, copper projects, so so with the Swedish project, um, that's still relatively early stage. I think that's going to need another good summer to generate uh, the targets, really to to fine tune that work. So I'll leave the Swedish project out for the moment. That's not quite drill ready. Yeah, I mean it's reconnaissance drilling, but it's not sort of the, the, dis- the you know discovery resource type drilling that most investors would be thinking about. So if I look at the, uh, the two Norwegian projects, so the time frame basically is we are in this data, this uh, uh, drill target generation phase, we, we are working hard on that. As soon as the spring comes around, we'll be able to fine tune some things in the field. Um, and here I'm just talking about, remember we've had a relatively small, a limited time on the period on the property. So I'm just talking about that initial area that we've looked at. So the idea basically is to, to finish up that target generation push these things through permitting. And permitting is actually quite quick in Norway, it could be two months. And then after that, uh, get into drilling as quickly as we can and then continue to evaluate the other targets on the property as well, too. So there's a lot to do and a uh, little time to do it, I guess. Permitting is
0: a good point since you bring it up. Like what are you per- permitted to do right now? What do you need to permit? And as you said, two months is a permitting timeline. So you're not in too much in a hurry. But uh, what's the plan there?
1: Yeah, so for regular exploration work, so for non-impact or just or low-impact work, uh, there's no no permits required. Obviously, uh, you, you're free to do whatever is required. Uh, so the drilling permits take about two months, and, and to be honest, uh, you know that's pretty well comparable to Canada or you know m- many other jurisdictions. So um, so so the permitting process is very clear. Um, one thing I should add too is that. Because these are former mining districts, uh, so if I look at this from two angles, we have a lot of support from the government uh, to push these projects forward, but also the local communities. I mean, mining is actually in their blood. I mean, most of these communities... Um, you know there are mines in the middle of these places and and, and you know grandfathers worked in these mines etc cetera, etc cetera. so that you know pe- people wear mining there as a badge of honor you know it's not sort of something that uh, so so we've actually had a you know a very good reception from the people and uh, and obviously we want to reciprocate that too by doing the right thing and and, and pushing forward projects forward in a responsible way but the support has been uh phenomenal. Yeah,
0: I, I have to ask and boots on the ground obviously covid-19 is still a topic how is that hindering you to to go to site or ha- have you been up to norway yet and, or sweden as well and uh, how is that affecting your work on the ground right now
1: yeah so uh, so i have been to both pro- i have been to all the projects so uh, so sort of in and out so uh, norway is actually the more complicated one and in, in fact the, just a couple of hours ago they announced they're closing the border permanently for two weeks for everybody right so so it's like well i mean that's not much we can do uh, in terms of me traveling to the project um, you know, Sweden's been a lot more open in terms of, you know, it's easier to come in. A, 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 well, not easy, but it's much easier than, than other countries. Um, the one thing that is fortunate for us, uh, Kai, is that we do have. Um, so because this is a partnership with EMX, we are able to use some of their people on the ground. So, so they actually have people in Sweden and Norway. And uh, so at least we can keep the projects moving with local people, obviously, right? So um, where it becomes difficult is obviously if I need to travel to the project, well, now I've got no chance with if they close the borders in Norway for the next couple of weeks. Um, so we just have to wait until they open up again. But but it, it does hinder travel, of course. It, it doesn't make life easy. That's yeah, let, me, sure. let
0: me follow up with one thing you mentioned, and that's EMX and using their team. And and,
1: and they actually signed yes. a lot of
0: joint ventures with companies in Scandinavia recently. Right. And I think you're one of Correct. three, four companies that come to mind or top, are top of mind right now. Um, how thin thinly spread are they? Like, How much capacity do they have for you?
1: How, how like, really can you rely on them? Yeah, look, I, I, th- I think short term, Kai, there's no problem at all. I mean, certainly they've been very uh, helpful and they've been able to deploy people. I mean, obviously all the projects are in different stages and some are moving and some aren't. So yes, they do have a lot of joint venture partners. Um, but you know from, from a, a, this during this transitional period they've been fantastic they've been always willing to help you know they've been able to de- deploy people i think as we go forward and obviously as the programs ramp up and suddenly we're drilling and and, and other things and obviously we need to start getting our own team on the ground so um, but for this transitional period emx has been fantastic they've done a great job uh, you know helping us out on the ground and having obviously you know local people there uh, it makes all the difference especially with the travel restrictions perfect
0: now. let's let's change gears a little bit and let's talk about a of course, budgets, cash, capital structure, right? So what is yep. the budget for this year, for, for all the projects? How much do you have to pay forward to Yamana? I think that's a big question mark for me because that could be quite costly uh, if, if they want to go right at it. Then, of course, Ethos Gold is paying their way, but how much are you planning to spend in Sweden and in Norway as well? Yeah, so
1: maybe I'll start on the uh, the, the Canadian side, uh, Kai. And, and, and basically, so of course, uh, Savon Lake I'll leave out of the equation for the moment because we're carried by Ethos. Um, But in the case of Yamana, what I do know is that the initial plans for drilling aren't that extensive. I mean, we're talking about, uh, you know, our share of drilling this next phase. uh, You know, the initial kickoff anyway would be probably about half a million dollars. So we're not talking about, you know, a 10 million dollar drill program. Um, Of course, one of the advantages we do have for the Canadian projects is we can also tap into, uh, you know, some of this charity flow and other flow through type uh, funding arrangements. So um, so from our perspective, uh, you know, and I do hope that uh, domain gets a life of its own and and carries on with a very big drill program. But we are able to tap into other you know sort of financing opportunities there, especially with the flow through type system. So, um, so we only have five hundred thousand uh, dollars sort of ring fence for that at the moment. But um, you know that's uh, something that uh, uh, it, I mean, if they drill want to drill ten thousand meters, fantastic. I'm all up for it. So, um, and, and with the, uh, the the other the Scandinavian projects, obviously, um, you know. Uh, Sweden will be going along at, a, at sort of a, a reasonable pace. It won't be, uh, you know, there won't be big dollars. Uh, and effectively, the Norwegian projects, we're looking at sort of second half of the year to be drilling, obviously subject to the permitting and, and us finishing the tar- to drill target work. Um, with the budget we have, uh, you know, we, we, and if I just take a step back to the capital structure, um, you know, we have 137 million shares out at the moment. Uh, as you mentioned at the beginning, 10 million market cap, or just a whisker under now. Um, so it's a very cheap entry point. It's a cheap stock to get into. Um, We only have about one and a half million in cash at the moment. Um, But as I say, you know, we've got the 500,000 there uh, for a domain, which if we don't, uh, if if there's delays there, that could be deployed elsewhere. Um, But the idea is that obviously we can start drilling at least on the Norwegian projects. Um, but of course, what we want to get to is a situation where we have a treasury where you can actually drill, you know, a twenty thousand meter drill program, and 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 sort of as we go forward. Initially, the you know what we do need to get the drilling kicked off. Uh, that's sort of a priority for us. Uh, that's what excites the market. That's what excites us too, as 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 professionals um you know but uh, but going forward we'll look we will need to look at the financing options for much bigger drill programs obviously because you know that's what builds the momentum and and momentum builds the momentum you know breeds the momentum after that of so.
0: and uh, i have to admit i was quite surprised to see momentum already building because the, the feedback we've been getting on twitter has been mm-hmm. insane like we've interviewed hecla and other billion dollar companies zero questions and for you guys we're we got we got to switch over in a second to actually get to some of them. So before we we run out of time, but (laughs) I want to stay on capital structure again, real quick. So you said 137 million shares out at least what I got here from the presentation. But you also have 70 million warrants sort of outstanding right now. Of course, if they get exercised at 13 cents, that means $9 million. But it also means an overhang. How are you addressing that issue?
1: Yeah, so uh, so it's a good question. So most, of, first of all, most of those warrants came out of the the, the September two thousand and twenty financing. So uh, most of those warrants are fairly new. Um, you know, most of the people that we've, you know, we obviously from a company perspective, we would like to get to a position where those warrants are exercised. I mean, we're not too far away from that, Mark, but obviously we do need to provide the the impetus, the stimulus to, to have those uh, uh, exercised. Um, as you mentioned, I mean, you know, having those exercised, that's a nine million dollar treasury that and on the back of that, you can do some very serious drilling. Um, so. Um, Now, obviously, the idea is that people should uh, exercise and hopefully they hold the shares. But obviously, if there are people that do want to sell the shares, uh, you know, we would just uh, we work with the people that have big blocks and just make sure that there's a, you know, uh, like, like, you know, people obviously can buy and sell as they wish. But we do want to make sure there's an orderly disposal of shares.
0: No, that makes a lot of sense. And hopefully a a discovery later this year will uh, be a nice catalyst for those as well. So, yeah. Yeah, and hopefully across, people right?
1: hold on to the stock. That's what we're here for. You know, that's what we're here for, the big returns. Yeah, so, run us actually quickly through the major shareholders uh, of, of Capella. Yeah, so uh, so basically the the big shareholders, uh, so we have four groups that are the main shareholders at the moment. So uh, Sandstorm is still the number one shareholder. And, th- and that really was born out of the original transaction when Sandstorm bought Mariano. Um, so some of those shares came from that original transaction, but they've also participated in financings um, during the time. So 14.2%. Uh, we have a new Austrian uh, based uh, shareholder who's been buying on market the last couple of months, and this is uh, Frucht Express. Um, you know they've been very, very supportive. Um, you know it's great to have them on board. They've been wonderful uh, shareholders. They're very keen, I think particularly on the Norwegian copper story, uh, but you know liking the fact there's also exposure to gold as well. So um, you know so we've had a lot of interest in the from the European side, particularly in in, in the in the copper projects in Norway. Um, and then beyond that, we have management and insiders uh, at about 10%. Uh, I'm also a 6% shareholder. So, um, you know, so we're all aligned basically with uh, with uh, um, shareholders uh, in general. Yep. So, uh, you know, and we look forward to pushing those forward and getting and broadening the shareholder base too. So. Fantastic.
0: EMX also, we should mention 9.9% shareholders. So they do have a vested interest, of course, in succeeding in their own projects. So, making sure that there's capacity available to actually help you succeed otherwise those 9.9% become worthless for them as well obviously. Um that's great. talking working capital, not just cash but working capital because you also have some shareholdings in companies. As part of the joint venture with great. Ethos you got some shares and I believe if you once you sold or I think you you sold the Austra- uh, the Argentinian assets I think that's done you got some shares as well. Like what's your plan with those holdings great. and I know we've got a question here on Twitter. Uh what are your plans with the shareholdings in Ethos Golden Cerrado?
1: Yeah. So effectively, the, the plan with the shareholdings, I mean, in a perfect world, uh, what we would do is we would obviously hold on to them till it makes sense to sell. I mean, just like anybody with a share in their portfolio, um, you know, you, you sort of hold on to it until you get to the right point in time to sell. So, you know, so we're not in a hurry to sell those. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously, it's nice to have those in our back pocket. You know, should we need funds quickly, there is obviously a scope to do that. Uh, as you mentioned, we have two million Ethos shares at the moment. They came from the sign in on the Savant uh, joint venture. Every anniversary, we get another two million shares. So, so you know, by the time this gets to the end, we could have an eight million dollar, uh, eight million share uh, holding uh, in uh, Ethos. Um, and of course, from the uh, the Argentine assets, we did get the Cerrado gold shares. Um, you know, there's about just over a million dollars worth of uh, shares there. And of course, you know, we'd be looking for upside from both their Argentine projects and also the Brazilian projects. So, so it's nice to have those in our back pocket. Um, but the plan is to hold on to them until, the, you know, a time it makes sense just like you or I in your own portfolios, you decide, OK, this looks like a good time to sell sort of thing, not to be forced into selling. Um, and also just one other thing I will add, too, there is a, a residual interest in a project in Argentina, which is called Sierra Blanca. Um, we have a 20 percent interest. If our JV partner, Austral, exercises that, then there's also another two and a half million dollars of cash that would come in through that angle, too. So um, so there's a number of things. But that's obviously sort of at the end of their earning but should they accelerate it, that's something that we could, uh, uh, you know, bring into the portfolio earlier rather than later. So so there's a number of options there we have. And of course, uh, the warrants that we talked about gotcha. earlier. And uh, I
0: switched over to Twitter. So people or our viewers can can see the questions actually. So the first one we've already answered, what are your share plans with the shareholdings, obviously. Uh, we, I think we talked about the, the relationship with your joint venture partners. I think uh, that, that's been covered extensively, but we haven't talked about you. Who's Eric Roth? Give us some background on yourself and uh, the management.
1: Yeah, so that's a good uh, question, Kyle. And look, and people who've been around in the business uh, quite a few years, and uh, you've known us for, for many years too, I guess, so uh, you've seen us in different iterations. So um, so before uh, Capella, I was the, the COO of a company called Mariana Resources, which was both TSX and uh, and uh, London listed. Um, we had a high-grade discovery in Turkey called Hot Martin. Uh So we were purchased, we were acquired by Sandstorm Gold in 2017. You know, fantastic off uh, asset. I mean, it's just... You know, the problem is when you find something like that, it's just such a sweet asset that it sets the bar so high that, <laughs> um, you know, it really was an extraordinary asset. And of course, that's why Sandstorm liked it uh, and bought the company for that. So we, so that was another case of exploration success uh, leading to the PEAs and PFSs, et cetera, and then being taken out. Uh, before then, I was CEO of a company called uh, uh, x Gold Mines. We had a, a discovery in Santa Cruz province in Argentina called Cerro Moro. We were acquired by Yamana in 2012. Um, you know, that was also another case of discovery, resources, uh, early mining studies and then takeout. out. So, um, and then before then, uh, I was uh, the global exploration manager for Anglo Gold Ashanti uh, until 2008. Uh, and, and, and in the greenfields capacity, You know, in my three years of tenure in Johannesburg, we uh, running things from Johannesburg, uh, we brought like 20 million Greenfields ounces to the table at less than $15 an ounce. So, you know, I think those were the best years that company ever had and probably will ever have in their life. I mean, I hope they have more success, but uh, honestly, you know, they were probably the best three years that company's ever had. So, um, so you know, so we've we've had a, a you know, a number of successes, and we do have a track record. And people who followed us over the years, you know, they know us as, you know, yes, we can tick that management box. Let's make sure we can now tick the project. Fantastic, box. that's a good point.
0: And uh, I've known you for a while. That's why I keep forgetting to ask the management question because we've known each other for for quite a while. Um, a couple more questions. And one, and it's really like as you as you predicted, the focus mm-hmm. really is on the Scandinavian, especially the Norwegian assets. Um, run mm-hmm. us quickly, like let's keep it short. But is, how how supportive is the government right now? You said permitting is fairly quick. Um, I, I see that as a good sign. And uh, what, what's the infrastructure right now uh, on on site there? Yeah,
1: yeah. So the government's been very supportive. I, I think at the national level, obviously, look, Norway realizes it's got to wean off the dependence on oil, right? So obviously, oil is a big driver in the economy there. They realize that's a you know that's got a finite time. Frame, I guess, uh, before, you know, so, so they've been very supportive of other industries and with other industries, I'll include uh, mining in that too. Uh, So we've had a lot of support from the government, obviously to, you know, because they're copper projects, that feeds into the whole, you know, the transmission of clean energy, whether it's, uh, you know, power lines or whether it's electric vehicles. Um, So, you know, the the government is very keen on that and using the infrastructure that's already there. There's also, uh, you know, processing of copper concentrates available throughout Norway and Sweden. So, you know, all the infrastructure there is basically to go from mining to the final metal right so so you know so it's an extraordinary situation and they want to take advantage of that um so you know we're in a good position to push these forward and uh you know i think uh, we we have a lot of support uh, all around i think fantastic Allow me one last question
0: before we wrap up and uh, it is from swen and he's asking and it's a good question that's why i bring it up and i know he has access to you uh, year round right but uh, it, it's a uh, how, how are you spending your budget and focus in norway uh Loken or Kyoli? Uh, will they be equally explored or do you have a favorite that's going to get a little more attention
1: yeah, that's a good question. And to be honest, I love both the projects. I think they're both awesome. And, uh, you know, in terms of, um, you know, the potential for new discoveries, uh, basically what we will try and do is run the two parallel uh, I, in, in terms of the work that we have been able to do on the ground. Sholy is probably a little bit more advanced just simply because of the time that we've, uh, you know, keeping in mind, we only pick these things up in August, uh, you're coming to the end of the summer and then the snows come. So it, uh, you know, the, the window is fairly short. Um, I love both projects. I think there's fantastic potential on both for, for company maker discoveries. Um, so I would like to run the two in parallel. But if I look at which is the most advanced from our perspective, we've done probably just a little bit more work on Shorley than we have on Lockit at the moment, but both are fantastic. I would love to run the two in parallel. Great,
0: fantastic. We are way over our time limit. We're at 31 minutes and uh, we, we shot for 20 and here we are. And uh, let, let, let's wrap it up though. Catalyst the next three months, what can we expect in terms of news flow?
1: Yeah, so there'll be lots of news flow in terms of we'll we'll be keeping the market updated as as we saw today with the Canadian joint ventures. Um, you know, we are also completing a technical report on the Lockin project that should be hopefully in the next uh, days We can get that out. There'll be lots of news flow just in general in terms of this whole targeting uh, Also that data mining for Sholi, you know, how that went and, and, and just the results of that And the whole idea is to over the next couple of months We've got to push through this drill target generation get into permitting and get drill rigs on the properties And that really is sort of the, the main focus for us uh, in the short to, to mid-term. Fantastic.
0: There you have it and uh, drilling I would say a minute, but it, hopefully this year. So that, that's why we we introduced Capella Mills on Discovery Thursday. Uh, it's been great talking to you, Eric. Thanks for running us through the through the, uh, through the story and uh, giving us an update on where you're at right now and uh, why you are a Discovery Thursday company. So really, really appreciate it. Everybody else, thanks for watching. Thanks for sending in so many questions. It's been great asking those. It's an interactive format. It mm-hmm. always has been. It is for the audience. I haven't even had a chance to check the YouTube chat. I hope I didn't miss anything and nobody's holding a grudge. I apologize. And, um, join us again. We'll be back with more updates next week. We've got a lot more interviews and expert interviews lined up. Follow us on YouTube, follow us on Twitter, hit the like and subscribe button. That way you get notified when we go live with another update. Don't miss it. They're all live and uh, you can hear directly from the CEO. Thanks so much. And uh, Eric, we'll talk soon.
1: Thanks, Guy. Appreciate
0: it.